Welcome to the Tech Sales Show, where we are dedicated to making you a better tech seller, sharing tried and true sales strategies and answering your questions weekly. Hey, hey, Bobby. What's up, Brian? Well, we are in the final episode of our series on the introduction into tech sales management. This has been a fun one to do. And Bobby, I think what I like most about this one is it's kind of, um, this is kind of off the back of a number of requests that have come in from listeners to the show as folks are kind of making their first foray into sales management. They've got questions. Of course, we had questions. They've got questions. So it's it's been a fun series to do. No doubt. We talked to one of our listeners on the East Coast had about an hour-long conversation with the guy, and we think we've helped him a bunch. He said he was going to write us a five-star review on iTunes and let everybody know that we actually will talk to you. And I thought it was funny that he thought our voices sounded just like we sound on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, and he's, hopefully he'll be a guest yeah, here in the future. It was uh, it was a fun conversation. So the uh, this is a three-part series, Intro into Tech Sales Management. The first episode in the series was kind of 10 big mistakes that new managers make and how to avoid those. So we talked about, you know, the, the, the trap of getting over kind of over committing to your team. We talked about communication in all different directions in this episode. Uh, the second episode is eight habits of highly effective managers. We talked about being a good coach and kind of the core focus of the job and kind of how it's kind of the dichotomy of the job is both hitting your number, but also being a great coach to your team. We talked about staying sharp in whatever your your wares or your products are and staying relevant so that you are a, a good kind of asset and teammate to your extended team. We talked about having, I think most importantly, a clear vision and strategy. But today we've got a fun part of this series is we've got um, a guest on the show with us. This is a, uh, a guest that we've had on the show before. It's Phil Wilhelm, and we thought it'd be good to have a guest that has had good experience and deep experience in building organizations. So with that, Phil, why don't you talk us through kind of your background in, in building organizations, and it'd also be good to for, to tell the listeners what we've been promoting at the Sales Show for the past six weeks or so uh, about what you're doing today. Awesome. Well, guys, howdy. Thanks for having me on again. This is great. Absolutely. Thanks for doing it. So, yeah, the, the, the aspect of, of sales leadership is, or the, I guess the, the art of sales leadership is often misunderstood, in my opinion. You know, people, I think, have a lot of um, misrepresentations about what it means to be a seller, even what it means to be a tech seller. But I think that's amplified whenever it comes to, to sales management or, or sales leadership. So it's an important topic. You know, I worked at a company called SHI for over nine years, and I think in those nine years, I held almost every every position in the company, and I did start a lot of different teams from, you know, just traditional sales teams, sales overlay teams, um, training and enablement teams. So I do have a lot of experience with it, and it's something I'm, I'm really proud of in terms of my career. Whenever I got to the company, we were somewhere around 50 million in revenue. And then whenever I left uh, in December of 2018, I think that the revenues were approaching 4 billion, uh, but uh, is a good indicator of the growth of the company during that time frame. Whenever I joined, I think there were four sales directors, right? So the, the people wow. that the sales managers are reporting to. 
And then whenever I left, I think there was, there's probably north of 30 directors. So if you consider that each director has a handful of managers reporting into them, and that, that quickly shows just what the growth was like. And um, we did some, some really cool stuff with sales management and, and sales leadership over there. Phil, that's incredible, the, the growth alone. I, I know we talked about that in our interview at the beginning of 2018. Like just roughly as a percentage, what was a lot of the a lot of the first time managers were, were they promoted from within, or if you had to guess a rough percentage on it, what, what would you say were the percentage of kind of experienced managers you hired externally versus folks that you promoted with from within? Ninety plus percent were promote from within, maybe even ninety five percent. That's great. Um, it, it's only a, a recent, you know, practice where you know the the external hires with previous management experience were were brought in so it was it was a lot of learning on the on the fly and after the the first few years that i was there my boss and i saw the need to start putting in some formal you know management training programs and and so yeah we we did a lot of that we did bring in some third parties to help us with those management training programs just to ensure that the, the managers understood what their job was, understood the best practices, and especially at a tech company that does not manufacture a product, the, the product itself, if you want to you know, just think a bit conceptually, the product itself is the sales, the sales reps, the sales professionals. Right. right. So th- that just makes the, the job of a sales manager at a company like that so much more important. Yeah, you've you've kind of got the dual effort of training your product, your people, and transitioning people that had that experience into what is a far different role than what they were doing before. So I think this will lead to a really, really good conversation. And so, Phil, why don't you tell everyone um, what you're doing today? Yeah, so today I am the co-founder and president of Pigeon TV. So that's P-I-J-N dot TV. And it is a video platform that's focused on the emerging IT ecosystem. Pigeon TV is a place for technology sales professionals to get very quick bite-sized nuggets on emerging tech companies and other technology trends. So when, when I see that the, the status quo for education on emerging technologies, it was one of two things, Brian. It was either a training in a conference room or worse yet, the training done over, you know, a WebEx with 28 PowerPoint slides, right? That's, yeah. that's option one, right. typically. And then option two, you know, it's a, probably a brown bag meet and greet with, um, you know, a whole bunch of sandwiches that are slathered in mayonnaise, perhaps some, some greasy <laughs> tacos that are being handed out. And then whenever I, I started to, whenever it hit me that that was, in fact, the status quo for helping younger technology sales professionals get educated on emerging tech companies. I knew that there had to be a better way. And that's what my, my company is doing. Love it. And I, so the, the call to action here really is, I think it's really twofold. If you're a listener and you're, uh, you need to stay up to date, you need to stay relevant in the marketplace and understand both who your competitors are and opportunities to promote other companies. So go register. It's pijn.tv. It takes literally 20 seconds to do that. And if you're if you're running a business that um, you think that it might be a good partnership opportunity, reach out to Phil and the team there. It'll be well worth uh, well worth that communication. So that's great stuff. Absolutely. One one quick plug for the the promo code. So for all of the tech sales show listeners, you can still use that promo code 
of TSS, TSS, and you get extra ballots in our weekly Pigeon Prize raffle for um, February and, and all the way through March of 2019. So I hope the listeners take advantage of that. Love it. Awesome. So today, Phil, we're going to make this more like a roundtable discussion. And we'd really want to hear kind of your experiences and your thoughts around tech sales management and leadership. What if a what if one of our listeners is like being asked to be a player coach or the first time manager? What kind of tips and tricks do you have? As you know, we have a few preloaded thoughts and comments that we're going to bring up. And the first one of those that you sent over to us was decide what you believe in. Talk us through your thoughts and, and why you think that's so important for the listeners. Yeah, so I, I think that step one is for anything you want to do in life, it's always sort of your own personal what do they call it? A helmet check in football, right? It's, it's that honest moment that you have with yourself in front of the mirror where you need to decide what you believe. So as it relates to sales management, whenever you step into that manager role for the first time and, and you see the people that are going to be reporting to you, you need to decide, do you actually believe in that person? Do you believe that he or she can be successful in that sales role? If, if you have some reservations about some folks, if you don't truly believe that, then you're never going to be able to give your 110% to that person. Uh, also, you need to think about whether or not you truly believe in your company's vision and in your company's purpose. And, and I say that because man, in, in sales and in sales leadership, controversy will come up, right? A rep is going to sure. lose a deal. A customer is going to get upset. Um, there's going to be some turnover on the team. All of those things are inevitable. And so when controversy arises, the purpose needs to be your North Star in terms of leadership. And you can use that as a sales manager to help um, guide the, the team through some troubling times. So, you know, not all of us totally believe in our company's vision and, and purpose. Uh, but if, if that description fits you, and I would just caution you against wanting to move into a sales manager role at your current company. I, I, your second, obviously both points really resonate with me. I think your second point is unique because as a first line sales manager, you're, you're going to be asked to carry a message from top down, right? Like this is the new strategy. This is the new commission system. This is X. And if you are always passing the buck to, hey, look, this is just what leadership is asking me to do. You're going to lose complete credibility and you're going to kill the culture of the business in a way. So, Phil, it, I think your second point resonates to me most because if you don't, if you truly believe it and you like, look, there's not, there's going to be some messages you're going to hate to communicate so that you're not going to feel great about communicating. But if you do fundamentally believe in the company's vision and purpose, you'll be able to overcome those things and say, look, I, um, here's, here's what the message is, but look, we've got to look at it this way because this is the company we work for. And these are the principles that we're behind. But if it's always like, yeah, guys, look, I know the new commission sucks, or I know the, this new strategy isn't great, or these extra steps you have to do in Salesforce are not great. If you're constantly passing the buck, you'll just completely crush the culture in the company. So I think that second point really resonates to me. Yeah, no doubt. And, and it's also, you know, not just, um, you know, disagreeing with a, a policy from higher up in, in terms of the spoken word as a manager, but also their body language. 
um, you know, definitely comes across to the team. So, um, you know, if you truly believe in something, not only will your spoken word align with it, but even little things like your, your body language will reflect it as, as well. I had some really great advice from uh, a mentor of mine whenever I, I first started managing other people at my previous company. And he told me, Phil, every single day you are on stage and people are looking at you. They're looking at you to understand how they should be acting. Uh, whether they realize it or not, that's just the way humans are, are wired to some extent. So even things like body language play into that. Yeah, agreed. No doubt we've we've topic, but that topic's come across a couple times on just how visible you are as a as a manager, uh, sales manager in in these worlds. The next thing that was on the list, and and one that I'm extremely passionate about, and was actually very dumb about early on in my sales management career, was understanding people's motivations. I think. I believe that everyone should be exactly motivated like me. And um, while I'm still surprised there's some salespeople out there that aren't corn driven, tell us a little bit about your experiences on how you've understood some people's motivations and maybe some of those that you've seen that surprised you. But um, it is crucial to a sales manager's success to make sure you're motivating your people correctly. Yeah. And Bobby, you hit on it. It's that the typical thought for a new manager is that everybody on their team will be motivated by the same things that they are. There are a whole bunch of different reasons uh, that people get motivated, that people get out of bed in the morning. Um, there's been a lot of studies you know, over the last 10 years around compensation and the degree to which compensation is the biggest motivator. And it's not as much as you would think. So whether it's family or recognition or just you know, a, a work-life balance um, or, or having a sense of mastery, over a particular topic is the manager. It is your job to first and foremost understand what motivates each person on your team. And then you need to keep going back to that topic of what motivates them to get, you know, more performance, to get better performance out of them. But, you know, some people might hear that and think, well, Phil, are you, you know, um, you know, arguing for manipulation of, of these sales reps because you know what motivates them? No, absolutely not. I think it's manipulation when you're using their motivation areas for, um, for your own personal gain. But if your mind is in the right place, and if, again, going back to the first point around belief, if you truly believe in that person, then understanding what motivates them and tapping into that consistently, you're, you're doing that for a very positive reason. You're doing that to make that person do more than they even thought that they could do. Um, so ultimately, it is a, a positive thing, but it is the the biggest struggle that new managers have um, is just understanding the motivations of their people. Yeah, I think it feeds really well into the next point um, that you brought up to us, Phil, and that's around kind of leadership versus um, just management. How do you when you how, how do you how do you define a leader versus uh, just a first line sales manager? Well, so in, in tackling this one, I go back to the amazing education that I received from the John Maxwell company. So John Maxwell is a guy, he's a, a guru on the, the topic of leadership. If you go into any airport in the country, chances are you'll find at least 10 books on, on the shelves written by Mr. John Maxwell on the topic of leadership. But he has one book called The Five Levels of Leadership. And I love the definition of leadership that he gives in the book where he says that leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. 
And that I think is such a powerful lesson that has stuck with me um, since, since I you know, received this education from that third party that uh, my previous company worked with. And, I, and that also gets me into the difference between managing and leading. So in that book, The Five Levels of Leadership, they lay out what those levels are. And the first level of leadership is when somebody does get promoted and they have that title you know, in their email signature of manager. And essentially, they have the, the weight of human resources behind them. So to some degree, the people on their team have to do what they're being told simply because the person has human resources, hierarchical authority. But after that, the second level of leadership is when people want to do what you're asking them to do because you have built a genuine relationship with them. The third level is when people want to do what you're asking them to do because they have experienced uh, unusually high levels of productivity being under your, under your care. Uh, interest of time, I won't go through the, the next two levels, but that distinction between people doing what you want them to do because they, on, on the one hand, have to versus people doing what you want them to do because you have built that relationship with them and you're able to um, exert your, your influence over them in a more authentic, uh, personal, uh, positive way. So that, that's, that's a really important lesson that I learned uh, as far as the, def- the distinction between sales managers, which tend to be effective at making the trains run on time versus leadership. And those are the people that tend to get far more out of their subordinates uh, than, than managers do. Love it. So we talked about this last week on the episode, but you called it out again. And I think it's something that everyone needs to, to hear, heed, and be prepared before you become a manager. But Phil, tell us how you orchestrate your calendar and the, and the importance of that for, for leaders and managers. So, you know, I mentioned, uh, I use the phrase, um, having the trains run on time. And I don't mean to belittle that because that is a very important aspect of, of all of this. And it is the quickest way to lose a team. If a new manager doesn't have the, the willingness or the ability to be very diligent in particular about their team's calendar, he or she will lose the team. Because in sales, oftentimes the reps, right there, they're on customer calls or they're in, in training sessions, whatever it is. And you can have 10 people on your team moving in 10 directions if you don't orchestrate the calendar. My best practice is to always communica- uh, communicate a calendar no less than two weeks in advance. No less than two weeks in advance. Yeah. So in team meetings or if your organization has a culture of uh, perhaps having like even a morning huddle, all as a new manager, always, always come back to the calendar of events so that people know what to expect. I, I love the, the saying that when people are finally getting, um, whenever you as a manager are getting sick of communicating something, that's when everybody around you is finally starting to hear it. Yeah, that's a great point. I, and I, I think the, well, I think what teams dislike most, and if we think back to being individual contributors, what we dislike most was the constant fire drill scenario. Yeah. And it, 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 you, you could always tell like, a manager didn't have good control of their business. And if they were constantly putting fire drills on you, how are they managing up? And, and probably the answer is not very effectively. So like how, how well am I being exposed up if I'm in a constant fire drill scenario with this leader? 
one one tactical thing. I love the two week in advance thing that you're you're completely getting ahead of the fire drill scenario with that, and you're being strategic in in the things that you invest your time in, and that the team invests their time in. What what one tactic I use around that as well with my team is that I try to limit communication during the week because their job during the week is busy and hard and. Uh, with clients all the time traveling in the field. So what I try to do is limit my communication to Monday on our team calls. And then all the all the kind of transactional stuff that's probably good to know that happens on Tuesday through Friday, I try to wrap it up and summarize it on Monday and just say, look, block half an hour out on Monday, read through these things. These are the things that came out over the past week and know that if I reach out to you on a Wednesday, it's probably something pretty important. But other than that, I'm not going to bombard you with the transactional stuff throughout the week. I want to let you focus on your job and being strategic Tuesday through thir- Tuesday through Friday, and and I'll I'll leave you alone during that period of time. I've always done something similar where you cap one of the end cap days are, are definitely the days to communicate and uh, orchestrate that schedule. Fire drills almost made me throw up there a little bit, Brian, because I I remember so many of them and how painful they were. Um, and the worst thing is to hear about a QBR that's going to happen next Monday or that you need to travel and book arrangements in a few days. Complete out of control if a manager's doing that to his team. And and probably one I've struggled with here too, Phil. Uh, I hope I've gotten much better at it. But really building genuine relationships with each person and, and learning about their values. Um, still something I have to, to twist my arm to adapt to in, in real time because I'm so results-oriented, but talk about this a little bit and, and maybe give some tips on how people can do it, even if it's not their first thought or innate ability. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I don't want this to turn into a commercial for the, the John Maxwell company, but I'm going to go back to them again because they have such a simple approach to building genuine relationships with people. I think another misnomer of, of a misconception of sales and even sales management so that everybody's an extrovert and everybody's just, you know, naturally uh, talented at building relationships. And that is not the case. The, the little factoid, the most successful sellers are actually introverts. And, and especially if you work at a hyper growth company, people are, can just be, you can be, you know, ships passing in the night in terms of relationship building. So what, what I try to do is just start with people's values. And, and this is, is kind of closely related to understanding their motivations, but what are people's top five values in life? What are even just their top three values in life? My top values are number one, passion, number two, fun, and number three, creativity. And everybody that I've ever worked with knows that those are my values. I mean, I, I wear those on my sleeve. And I, I've tried to set up an environment for the teams that, that, that I was managing and leading where I really understood what other people's top values are. Because for every top value that somebody has, dude, there is a story underneath that value. They didn't just pick it out of a hat. That value is on their, their you know, top three list or top five list because of something that happened to them in their life or to a loved one. And all of those stories under those values, man, that's where human connection really starts to kick in that's when you can really advance a relationship forward. I think when we do interviews, Phil, we oftentimes will ask, what is your schedule? And we're not asking what their schedule is because we care necessarily what they're doing at 645 versus 915. It's 
what we learn about the person is where they're investing their time because where they invest their time in many cases directly reflects what their values are. So we kind of get a glimpse into what's important to them. And I love that. I think it, it makes you real. If you feel like you can, and I think this is, I think it's can be scary to, to manage your first sales team for a lot of people and they're afraid of, okay, what happens in this HR scenario? Or, you know, I've, I've got to be kind of very polished and, and, and really kind of protect my personal stuff. But I think you lose it. It's insincere and the team can see right through it. Why, why not just be who you are? And if you do have some, you know, some issues that you need to work out, they probably didn't put you in that position to begin with, but, um, if you can just show and express who you are, where you invest your time, what you do on the weekends, what you do in the mornings, what you do in the evenings, the sports events you take your kids to, I think the more real you can be with your team and the more genuine you can be, the 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 less stressful your job is going to be because you're not having to continuous continuously deal with this 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 artificial barrier you've created. Totally. And if I could build on that really quick, Bobby, before you, you chime in. When a sales team gets together, and a lot of these, you know, a lot of the sales teams and, and technology are remote, right? People are out in the yep. field. And, and let's say a, a manager gets gets his or her team together maybe three, four times a year for business reviews or, or what have you. I challenge the manager to have a no phone policy. There's nothing um, that depresses me more than seeing a, a sales team finally get together for, you know, the only second or maybe third time in a given year. And they walk into the proverbial conference room and they might say hi and shake hands, maybe give the half hug. But then after a couple of minutes, bam, the iPhones come out and people are just head down looking at their phone. And it's like, holy smokes, man, that is your opportunity. Just even as peers, but especially for the sales manager to have some human connection and and build those, uh, build those genuine relationships. So just my, didn't want to get off on a, on a high horse there, but that always kind of frustrated me whenever I saw that over the years. Yeah, I love that. But Phil, what if a customer calls them back right then? <laughs> totally. What are they going to do? Totally. It's the deal of the do? century. And it's, happening it's a right sales there. emergency. <laughs> yeah, yes. it is. Yes. It is. Um, I think they can put the candy crush away, if you know what I mean. Yep. Um, one thing that I think I might have done well as a manager and still try to do today with my approach of, of staying in touch with people is connecting with every person every day. Um, the teams can't be, I think there's some big box resellers that might manage up to 15 or 20 people, but the majority of my career, I had uh, 12 or less, seven or less, most often probably more like the seven or less. It's not too hard to connect, reach out, help. Um, what are some of your thoughts around your point around connecting every day with every person? Yeah, that was a mantra that I, I instituted. I, I had to institute with some of the teams that, that I was managing um, because it is so easy to be head down and, and get busy. But I believe that if a, a sales manager has, you know, seven, eight, nine, heck, even as many as 13 folks on their team that report to them, that manager has to be willing and able to make a genuine connection with every single person on their team every single day of the work week. And that might sound a bit overwhelming at, at first glance, right? Like, holy smokes, I have 12 people and there's, there's no way I could do that. I, I disagree. You can make a big impact on somebody in only two or three minutes, right? So these connections could be just having your morning cup of coffee with that person. You know, a lot of the, the sales, uh, the soon-to-be sales managers that are listening to this, 
you know, they probably work in a, a call center type environment or in a, a cubicle, you know, farm, so to speak. Everybody's going to have their morning cup of coffee. Why not just have your morning cup of coffee with one of your reps at their desk, just connecting? Or it could be, you know, a phone call on your way home at the end of the day. It could be any number of things. It doesn't have to be a 45-minute, um, you know, big, deep conversation with somebody. These, these connections that you need to have with each person every day, it really can't happen in as little as two or three minutes. But believe me, the sales reps out there, they know either consciously or subconsciously, they are keeping track of the number of days, the number of times when they did not hear from their upline manager. It's a fact. So just a, a caution for everybody out there. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and I would say to, to add to that a little bit, the, the rep who needs that isn't going to ask for it, and the rep who needs that can get a million times better if they're getting it every day. I, I know – we, as managers um, and future managers will know this in, in, in good time, but people that aren't strong when they get there to that role and you make them strong is one of the most fulfilling port, ports, parts of my career. And they take a lot of time, uh, those people that need your help the most. And if you can connect with them and give them the outlet to ask for help, you'll be amazed at how much you can help somebody like that uh, on your team and help them grow to be a great rep. Um, so I love that. And then Brian, I'll let you take this last one. Cause I know you're passionate about it when you take a new job with a new manager. Yeah. And I, it was all, I think from our Bobby, one of our early first big general managers. And it was, uh, the concept of feedback. And of course that's the big buzzword when you, when you take on a, your first sales manager role is, can you give your team feedback? So Phil, how do you, how do you approach feedback? Um, yeah, when you, if you're, let's say you're taking over a new team, uh, or you are you're talking to a leader that's taking over his first team. Um, what kind of conversation do you have about feedback with the team? So for for the feedback topic, I always go to the technique from Sandler Training called upfront contract. Upfront contract is is basically just an agreement that two people have before they get into a given situation, a situation that they know is going to come up. But essentially, the two people just talk through in advance how they are going to handle that situation if and when it comes up. So what that looks like in, in the world of sales management is the, the new sales manager having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with each person on their team around feedback and asking the rep, how, do you, how when, and where are you most comfortable for me to give you feedback? And you have to level set with the sales rep and explain that it is absolutely 100% going to happen that mm -hmm. the manager needs to give that rep some feedback. It, it's just the nature of the beast. So to just simply ask that rep ahead of time, where and how do you, do you receive feedback the best? But when the manager has that conversation, they need to be willing and able to flip the coin and also share with the rep the manner in which he or she is most comfortable receiving feedback from the rep. If a manager is not uh, willing to receive feedback from their sales reps, I, I think that the that new manager has chosen the wrong profession. These yeah. relationships between sales managers and reps are a two-way street. They have to be able to give each other feedback. So it's just talking about it before the feedback needs to happen, how they want to receive it. I think the mind shift there needs to be a mind shift, I think, for a lot. And I, 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 you see this happening, so I'm not telling 
listeners things they haven't already heard in many cases, but I think you got to shift your mindset to, to feedback being a gift and think about how hard it is to give someone challenging feedback. But let's, let's just assume that we, we like the leader that we work for, the manager we worked for, and we like our team, which is, I think, a given, right? We've, we've chosen this field. There are many opportunities to go uh, do other things. So we've, we've, we've chosen to work with this group. This feedback is a gift, and I think the the seller needs to look at it that way, and the manager needs to look at that at it that way when the seller is giving feedback up to them as well. It's a gift, and some people are really good at giving and receiving gifts. Other people wrap it up in duct tape and they throw it at you, and it's up to you to kind of unwind that duct tape and figure it out. Be the one that gives the transparent feedback. Um, it it will only it will do nothing but to help build a relationship. If I think back, and sometimes it's challenging up front. I remember going back when I'd received some early feedback when I was early days in this, in this career. And I I would struggle all weekends like, man, they don't like me. Am I just not doing a good job? But those were the biggest opportunities for growth when they were telling me the real stuff, the real way I, the real opportunity I can improve myself. Um, Those were the, the opportunities in the areas for biggest growth for me, growth for me professionally. And I'll wrap just by saying that it it is what Brian said at the end there, that it, it is the gift. It is the one it might not feel good, but it's the one that's going to help you the most. So take the feedback, give the feedback, and, and have that upfront contract. Agreed. Well, Phil, we can't thank you enough for joining again. Uh, this is your second time on the show. We appreciate the investment of time that you made. Uh, why don't you remind the listeners um, of what they need to do to get registered for Pigeon TV? You got it. Well, it's pretty simple. It is only about 20 seconds. It's P-I-J-N dot tv hop on over and become a subscriber if you have not already and please use that promo code tss that stands for the tech sales show obviously and uh, you will be lined up to participate in our weekly episodes where you get super short um insightful videos on emerging tech companies and that allows you to participate in our weekly pigeon prize raffle where we're giving away north of a thousand dollars every single week i firmly believe that the the days of the PowerPoint-led trainings of, you know, 30-plus slides, we can all do better than that in, in this, you know, emerging tech ecosystem. So uh, I encourage everybody to hop on over to Pigeon.tv. Check us out. As always, average is the enemy. Average sucks. Thanks again, Phil, for joining us. And thanks for listening to the Cell Show. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show. Subscribe to our email list at www.techsaleshow.com and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Tech Sales Show. Until next week, average is the enemy.